2: Welcome to Dear Prudence, I'm your Prudence Janae Desmond-Harris. Today we'll be offering advice on how to react to tacky gifts from your ex-husband's girlfriend, what it means when your date says, our energies didn't mesh, and whether to call out a friend who inexplicably lies about having a master's degree. Here to help me out is the comedian Jenny Hagel. She writes for Late Night with Seth Meyers and The Amber Ruffin Show, and is the host of the live shows Jenny Hagel Gives Advice and Late Night Trash Can with Jenny Hagel. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Since you have your own advice show, I'm sure you're overflowing with advice. It's
0: bad. I am obsessed with giving people advice, even if they didn't ask for it. I cannot stop myself. It's like when someone has the hiccups, mm-hmm. like you can't stop it, except instead of hiccups coming out, it's just advice.
2: Amazing. Well, that's going to come in really handy today. And before we start, I want to ask you for one piece of unsolicited advice.
0: Thank you. I have a hundred pieces, <laughs> but I'll limit myself to one. <laughs> I'm begging to be asked. Um, my piece of unsolicited advice that I would give today is to get an analog watch. I feel really strongly about this. I think that we are all getting deeply sucked into our phones. And sometimes we want to be, but sometimes we don't even mean to be. And I think a really common thing that happens to me is that I will pull out my phone to check the time. And then while I have my phone to see what time it is, I'll be like, oh, it's 1245. Ooh, wait, did I get a text message from so-and-so? Let me check my email. Did I do Wordle today? Where does Wordle come from? I wonder what the origin of the word word is. Ooh, etymology.com. Let me read this word etymology, the word etymology, what's the etymology Mm -hmm. of that? And then it is 3.30 in the afternoon. You've lost like three hours of your life doing random stuff on your phone that you had no intention of doing. So I felt like this was happening to me a lot and I got a watch two years ago and it has really changed my life. Because like, yeah, do I look at my phone too much? Still, sure, we all do. But I think it has really reduced the amount of time I unintentionally give away to my phone for no reason.
2: I don't think I've had a watch since the pager days.
0: I can't believe you had a pager. You must have been the fanciest person (laughs) in middle school.
2: (laughs) I think it was the beginning of high school. But I don't think I've had a watch since I started having electronic devices. And I think that's such a good idea, especially for when you're with people and you feel rude looking at your phone, but you actually need to know what time it is. That's um, the other reason, The watch reason. would yeah. be like absolutely perfect for that situation.
0: Yes, I, that has happened to me too, where I just need to make sure I'm like, oh, I have to go pick up my kid from school, but I'm having coffee with a friend and I want to check the time. But right, I look like I'm bored by what they're saying. They're in the middle of being like, well, I have three months to live. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> let me just look at my phone. <laughs> so I think that instead you look thoughtful. Yeah. Look conscientious about the time and not like a disconnected jerk.
2: And it makes you look put together.
0: There you go, and what right, you get to accessorize. Who doesn't want an opportunity for an yeah. accessory?
2: I'm in a weird TikTok rabbit hole. Speaking of wasting time on the phone, and one of them, because I watched one video about this out of curiosity, is I'm being shown tons of videos about how to appear more polished and put together. Um, and they always say to have your nails done, which I never, ever, ever do, and wear jewelry, like wear simple jewelry, including a watch. So maybe I can get there. I won't. There my you go. Nails, but I can get a watch. <laughs> Anyway, Jenny and I will dive into your questions after a short break. Can't get enough Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash prudyplus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudyplus. The best way to learn a language, immersion, living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babel. I love how easy it is to use, and as a person who can be really self-conscious about making mistakes, I love that I don't have to actually talk to a real human while I'm still working on my vocabulary and my accent. Be a better you in 2024 with Babel, the science-based, language-driven learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babel's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real life situations. They're delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com prudy. Get 55% off at babbel.com prudy, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash prudy. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Jenny Hagel. Let's get started with our first letter. It's titled Thanks, but
3: no thanks. I'm hoping for some advice on how to deal with my ex-husband's girlfriend, Tammy. She gave me a bunch of stuff for Christmas, and I'd like to say thanks, but no thanks. It was mostly smallish items, a sculpted candle with lots of glitter in it, some foul-smelling bath items, and some hair scrunchies with a corny novelty print related to my field of work. There was a large gift, too, that I truly don't know what to do with. I'm not close to her, but I keep the peace because my kids are at her house when they're with their dad. They moved in over a year ago. None of the gifts remotely hit the mark. Think of an aunt who knows you're an artist by profession, then buys you a 96-piece jumbo art set from Walmart, and maybe a sassy shirt about cats because you happen to have one. Even if I liked the stuff, I just can't use it. I have given some of the stuff away to coworkers, but I kind of want her to know she really, really doesn't need to get me anything. I usually buy combo gifts for her and my ex, restaurant gift cards, good chocolate, bourbon, etc. Anyway, I've had a blank thank you card sitting around for a month now because I'm not sure how to say it or if I should say thanks and send the items on. Minus the poster size, unflattering pick of my kids in real estate team pose.
2: I wonder what the large gift that the letter writer didn't feel she could name was. She went into great detail about the other ones (laughs) and then said there was this large gift too.
0: Right. Like, is it like a refrigerator? Right. like How large is it that we're not even going to (laughs) say?
2: We're not even going to talk about it. But seriously, I actually have to say I find this very sweet on Tammy's part. In a world where blended families can be super challenging, and believe me, the Dear Prudence inbox is Full of stories about step parents and step children and conflicts among married couples over children and exes and relationships with exes. This seems, I almost want to say, beautiful. You are on good terms with her. She's making you poster sized photos of your kids, which are not cheap to get printed out at Walgreens or CVS. These things take some thought. And I think she's even trying to speak to your interests. So it feels to me like. Let's be honest, the actual gifts aren't a problem. It's not that much of a burden to hide a candle with glitter in it. She's not coming over to the house. You're not having to display things. I wonder if the letter writer is bothered on a deeper level by the existence of Tammy or that her husband is dating this tacky woman who's so different from her and is such a tryhard. I don't know. How did it hit you?
0: I think that's exactly right. So this letter really hit home for me because it speaks to two of my very strong interests blended families and thank you notes. Mm. Um I'm actually part of a blended family. I'm divorced and then I have a partner who I've been with for 7 years. So my ex and my partner and I are all raising my son. Mm-hmm. And um you know, he's at my house with me and my partner part of the week and he is at his other mom's part of the week and we all get along great. But that you know, we really make an effort. Like there're sometimes where all four of us hang out together. But that's because I think that it's important when you're part of a blended family, the central interest is the child or children involved. Right. That's the number one priority. Right. So first and foremost, gifts, you know, like that corny expression, it's the thought that counts. Yeah. That's very true and real. So right. the point of a gift is not, did they get it right? A gift, it's a cultural point of connection. It's me mm. saying, hey, I want to connect with you. And the way I'm connecting with you is through this candle or gift card or whatever, Mm-hmm. So the point of a gift isn't the thing you get. The point of the gift is that someone tried to reach out to you and give you a gift. Now, right. bonus if they get it right. But there's so many gifts that just don't quite get it right. I'm sure I've given people a million gifts that they were like, ugh, thank you. Right. But we're all trying, right? And so I think number one is that Tammy is trying. And I think the second thing that's really important is Tammy is trying to create, like, a cohesive blended family. Right. It'd be so easy for Tammy to be dating the someone's ex And then be like, I'm not going to talk to her. I'm not going to give her a gift. Uh, Absolutely not, under no circumstances.
2: Or worse, to say, the kid can't have a room when he comes over here. They're going to sleep on the couch. Or we'll be out of town all summer, so your husband won't be upholding his end of the custody agreement.
0: Right. We're sending the kid to boarding school in France. And you'll never see them. Right. There's a million ways this could go badly.
2: And it's, it's not going badly in any of them. So I just feel... But everybody, there's some room for reframing here. I think Um, that's right.
0: I think at the end of the day, remember like when Tammy, I don't know what the custody split is. But whenever those kids are at Tammy and the ex's house, Tammy is feeding your kids. And she's up with them in the middle of the night when they have a fever. Or she's hearing how their day went at school. And that's a person that like, regardless of whether it would be your choice to hang out with Tammy under other circumstances, that's a big deal. And so that's a person who's a big part of your kids' lives. And so it's Mm -hmm. important to honor that. And so I think whatever you can do to build a connection and a relationship with Tammy, whatever, if you can challenge yourself to find, is there one thing I like about Tammy? And then just try to focus on that so that you can build a relationship with her. Because if she's going to be around, she's going to be
1: around.
2: And the thing can even be, she's not an evil stepmother to my children. She's a pretty nice person. I mean, that's huge. That's something that so many people don't have. I think I remember reading recently, got to admit, it was probably an Instagram caption. So <laughs> I'm not sure how authoritative where
0: it is. Where the <laughs> deepest wisdom in the world comes from.
2: Right. Where I do most of my reading these mm-hmm, days. Um, mm-hmm. But someone made the point that it's really important for kids to hear the adults in their life say positive things about the other adults in their life. Yes. So this is an opportunity too, I think, to give your kids a sense of security um, and a sense of being in a loving community of adults. So you could even say to your kids, oh, look, I'm opening my gift from Tammy. Your stepmother is really thoughtful. You do not have to say... I love the glitter candle. Let the kids hear you say that. You can actually get something out of this, which is making your kids feel better and more secure about the adults who surround them.
0: I think that's right. You want, you, you want to feel, I think kids want to feel like they're grownups, however many grownups they have. Their grownups are a team. Mm-hmm. And that team is there to take care of them and make them feel loved and supported. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who was going through a divorce and she said this thing that I thought was so wise. Um, she was kind of at the beginning of the divorce and I was like, how's it going? And she said, you know what? I, the details aren't really important. She said, my only goal is that when my kid is 30, they don't have to have two separate weddings <laughs> so that mm. because me and my ex husband can't be in the same room. So what I'm trying to say is let's get to the business of being friends with Tammy.
2: Yeah. And there are so many situations in which that's really hard and you have to forgive a lot and you have to overcome a lot. Yeah. And I have to say, this isn't one of them. Um, this, is, <laughs> this is a really, really easy one. Now, I also want to be clear that. You matter too. Um, your kids aren't the only people who matter in the world, and your taste matters. And you do not have to use the horribly scented lotions and soaps. And in fact, you—I think—you do need a space to make fun of and complain about these gifts, and that space is your group chat with your friends. Or out to a meal with your friends. Absolutely, rip into them, make fun of them, say how horrible they are. Let it all out in a safe space,
0: right? Because then, what the letter writer said is that they've got this blank thank you note that's sitting on their desk, and they don't know what to write. And the answer yeah. to that is thank you. Right? right? Thank you, and send it. Because Tammy... or even
2: for the thoughtful gifts,
0: right? Thank you for the thoughtful <laughs> gifts. Because that's the thing, like you said, Tammy did try. Yeah, the gifts were related to the person's interests. So I think it's like Tammy's trying. Gifts are attempts at people to connect with you. Tammy's trying to connect. Say thank you. Say thanks for being so great to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, say it was a pleasure to see you at the holidays. And just send it off and feel good that you were a big person about the whole situation.
2: Exactly. That's
0: my that's my two cents. And I want to take this opportunity to apologize to anybody who I've ever given a gift to that stunk. I'm sorry.
2: I know I've done it before. And, you know, we move on and we move past it. It's okay. You're listening to The Dear Prudence Show, and when we come back, we'll be reading more of your letters. Stay with us. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Jenny Hagel, to answer your letters. And the next one is titled, Misreading the Room.
1: Met another guy at a bar and we went out on a date. I thought it went really well, just some first date awkwardness here and there. But other than that, it was one of the best first dates I'd had in a long time. The conversation flowed. He was sweet and respectful. Just had a really good feeling about seeing him again and what it could look like. After parting ways, we made plans to meet again, only for me to get a text just two days later that he was no longer interested in meeting because he felt our energies didn't mesh. I found myself pretty taken aback. Did I misread the vibes? Do something wrong? I can only wonder if my age was a factor. I was about 10 years younger, or whether it was because I'm trans, I had disclosed beforehand and he didn't seem to have a problem with it. I usually feel I'm good at reading vibes and if someone's interested. How did I get it so wrong? And why has it shattered my dating confidence so much?
2: I just want to acknowledge how hard and disappointing this is, and just how hard dating is in general. I feel like we as a society have got to figure out a better way for people to find their partners. I, I don't think it's arranged marriage, but there's got to be a better way than just putting yourself out there and facing rejection over and over again. It's, it's not good for people. And I can only imagine the extra layer of stress that being trans and feeling that you need to disclose that and waiting for a reaction and wondering if that's causing a problem for someone um, adds to this. It's just, it's just really tough. I, I hate that people have to go through this.
0: Yeah, I think that culturally dating is hard. But I think that if it's possible at all, a thing that could make it easier is to shift your mindset from they are interviewing you to you are interviewing hmm. them. Because I think that the, you know, the the letter writer said, you know, what am I doing wrong? And I just want to say you're not doing anything wrong. Right. If you go on a date and you are yourself, you are not doing anything wrong. Right the right person will respond to that and be excited to hang out with you again. You know, the letter writer said they worried that they were doing something wrong. They're not doing anything wrong. And if that, if, if, the person they went on a date with said, hey, I just don't feel a vibe, they just don't feel a vibe. And that's no comment on the letter writer, right? Not everybody's going to feel a vibe. They could think you're a very nice person, but just not be feeling it. And that's fine. Right. As long as you show up to a date and you are yourself, then great. And, and they were also worried about their age, but your age isn't going to matter to the right person.
2: Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm always writing to people the right person won't care about this. For the right person, this won't be an issue. But it's just, I think it's so hard to feel that when you've decided that you like someone, you've started to fantasize about where things could go with the two of you. And when you like someone, you naturally want them to like you back. And then when they don't, it just, it just hurts a little. One way of thinking about it that might put it in a little bit of perspective and make it easier is to think of the times in the past that someone said to you, oh, you should date so-and-so. And and you've said, well, you know, they're like good looking, um, nice person, cool. I'm just not, for whatever reason, that feeling just isn't there. So you know that someone can be great and you can simply, (laughs) as, as this guy said, your energies don't mesh with them. It, it really sure. is a thing that happens and it doesn't mean that someone's energies are bad or subpar or wrong. It's really simply just not a match. My former roommate, who used to go on a lot of dating apps, kind of had a really good script for ending things when she wasn't feeling it. She would always say in the text, I'm just not feeling that indescribable thing that makes me want to move forward. And so I I think that puts it really well is that there's just a thing that's not about um, being a good fit. It's not about how someone looks on paper. It's not about how attractive they are. It's just something that you you can't force. And I think we all know it because we've all experienced the absence of that thing, even if we know someone's great.
0: Right. We've all had that person in our lives where we're like, if I could just make myself be attracted to them. Yeah. Because you're like, because right, it's like you have like some friend of yours who's like great and they're a solid human being and they're like, they have a good job Mm -hmm. and their breath smells good and they're always like, their their house is spotless and they're nice to your mom. And you're like, if I could just marry that person, it would all work. If I could manufacture a romantic feeling about that person. But you can't, right? No matter how good someone is, you can't make that happen. So I think you're right, Janae, I think that's exactly right. Like you, We've all been in the opposite position where we want to be sending the message that the letter writer got. And so I think, right, that's a really good idea to try to remember a time when you just didn't have that feeling for someone else, but you still respected them as a person and thought they were a great person.
2: Yeah, and... Another thing that might help is remembering that people have so much shit going on. So this person could um, be having mental health struggles or just be feeling really down and having a hard time connecting with anyone in their life. This person could have low self-confidence. This person could hate dating and not know if they ever want to share a space with someone. And for whatever reason, they could self-sabotage everything that seems promising. I could make up a million stories And I'm sure this resonates with you, too. You deal with a lot of requests for advice. People have a lot going on. Yeah, they
0: know they do. And I think that's the other thing I really noticed is that the the phrase that this person used when they turned down the letter writer was very vague. It almost felt like a corporate, like a a press release statement. Mm -hmm. And I think that, unfortunately, there isn't a big culture of directness and honesty in dating. Yeah. I wish there was. And instead, we use a lot of these platitudes, right? right? Like, it's not you, it's me. I'm sorry. I just have a lot going on right now, blah, blah, blah. And I do kind of wish the person had said, hey, I'm sorry. I know we really hit it off. Mm-hmm. But I went home and I thought about it. And I, I, I actually feel like too stressed out right now with work. And I think I'm just not, you know, or if they had said, hey, we had a great time. But the day after we went out, my ex came out of nowhere yeah. and was like, let's try again. Like, I, if it's too bad that we don't communicate with each other more honestly, in dating Mm -hmm. because then I think it would not leave so many people feeling like, wait, am I crazy? Did I miss the fact that we really hit it off? Right. Did I misjudge that? Because I'm sure the letter writer didn't. I'm sure it was a great date. And exactly like you said, I'm sure some other element is happening. But we just, that's just not for whatever reason, the cultural norm with dating to be that frank. And I wish it was. It would leave a lot less people scratching their heads.
2: I was actually helping another friend compose a text to a guy who she wanted to end things with after about five dates last week. What it boiled down to was a lack of attraction and also he was just too big of a Joe Rogan fan. She felt like they weren't on the same page in life. She didn't appreciate his worldview, but she really resisted telling him any of the specific things that bothered her. And the man was begging for feedback. He was saying, I really thought we got along. I would love to know what didn't work for you. And she was just saying things like, I gave her the, I'm not feeling that indescribable thing line. And she said, I'm just not feeling it. And this guy will probably never know that she doesn't want to have a life with someone who thinks racist and sexist jokes are fun and spunky, you know?
0: Let's take a moment to just applaud a straight man for asking for feedback. Yeah. That might be the first time in history.
2: I mean, I I thought it was really unusual. But anyway, uh, back to the letter writer. How did I get it so wrong and and why has it shattered your dating confidence so much? I think that might be the wrong question. You didn't get it so wrong. It's not wrong to feel a connection with someone and to like someone. It's actually a great thing that you're able to do that. There are a lot of people out here who are just not attracted to anyone, not feeling anyone, not willing to go on dates, don't have any enthusiasm left. So the fact that you still can feel excited and connected despite how hard it is dating is great. Like, hold on to that. Hold on to that. Celebrate yourself for that and bring it to the next date. Why has it shattered my dating confidence so much? Because it's hard to be rejected. It just is.
0: Yeah, it's the most human thing, but really beautifully said that you didn't do anything wrong by connecting with someone. No, what you did What a beautiful thing to say. Yeah. yeah. that's exactly right. A
2: lot of people don't feel don't feel able to do that at a certain point.
0: Um, no, a lot of us are dead inside.
2: Yeah, no, a lot of people are dead <laughs> inside out
0: there. So a friend of mine had this really cool approach to dating. So a friend of mine was like newly single again for the first time in a long time. And she was like on dating apps for the first time in a long time. And she said that she had decided to have this approach where whenever she went on a date from a dating app, she was like, you know what, I'll pick a place. And she would always choose a restaurant that she'd been wanting to try and hadn't gotten around yeah. to. Because she thought even that way, even if the date goes terribly, at least I got to try this place. And I thought, That's what a, a cool idea. way. Right, because also what a cool way. It kind of wrenches some of the control back. Yeah. Where it's like, instead of having the whole experience with this big question marker, is it going to go well or not? Hey, man, at least you got to go try that pasta you've been reading about. Absolutely. I thought it was such a cool way to take a little bit of control and to guarantee at least some good outcome, regardless of who shows up and how it goes. So I don't know if there's some equivalent way that you can be like, all right, maybe the date is a bust, but at least I didn't go farther than two blocks from my house. Right.
2: Or at least I took a cute picture in my outfit and updated my profile picture. Or at least I was dressed and ready to go to drinks with friends afterward and it wasn't a whole waste of a night.
0: Right. Like I already had plans with friends. So I set up a date like two blocks away. I did that first and then rolled to thing, you know, so I didn't, right. At least I like didn't go out of my way. But I just thought that was a really lovely approach to be like, well, I'm going to do something for me in the middle of this weird process where I have no control. I'm going to do a little bit of a thing for me. But yeah, I just want to stress the letter writer did nothing wrong and I wish them good luck and I hope they continue to be optimistic and put themselves out there.
2: this is dear prudence we need to take a break but when we come back more letters from you and advice from us stay tuned
3: step into the world of power loyalty
2: I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. Jenny, are you ready for one last letter?
0: I am so ready. Let's do this.
2: It's called Between a Friend and a Degree.
5: My friend Jill and I both work in a travel industry in different capacities. We've been friends for almost 20 years. On a couple of occasions, she has confided in me that she did not finish college and doesn't have a degree. A couple of years ago, my partner and I were at an event and she said in front of both of us that she has a master's degree. My partner and I were taken aback that she would lie to both of us in our face and also felt it was an insult to all the hard work that both my partner and I did and to everyone else who has done the work to earn our degrees. Recently, in front of a group of peers, she again mentioned something about while she was working on her master's. This little lie is bothering me, but she obviously has underlying insecurity issues about her education. However, my partner is incredibly insulted by her lie and wants me to call her out. I don't feel like it's my place and it will only cause a rift between the two of us. Ultimately, I've told my partner that it's her lie she has to own and it doesn't change the fact that we've earned our degrees. Now, my partner refuses to be anywhere near her and has labeled her as a liar. He insists I call her out, or next time he sees her, he has sworn he will. I really don't know what to do here. Is there a non confrontational way to address my friend's lie in private with her without upsetting or embarrassing her? I actually
2: think the partner being really mad about this is extremely weird.
0: It is absolutely none of the partner's business.
2: Who cares?
0: Yeah, it's none of the partner's business. Why are they trying to stir up shit? I do not understand this partner's motivation other than a passion for drama.
2: Right. I mean, she didn't take your degree away from you.
0: That is another part of this letter that I don't understand. <laughs> when they're like, it is an affront to our degrees. Every yeah. person... It's not like... um, Like, every person who lies about getting a degree doesn't, like, somehow chip away a little piece of your diploma <laughs> right. until until if enough people lie, it's gone. Like, right. there is no... There, it's just there's there that has no effect on you or your diploma, absolutely none. So I think we can just put that part to rest. This person telling this lie does not diminish the quality of your life in any way.
2: In any way, and also, so letter writer, I think you realize that you're not that upset about it. Your partner is incredibly insulted and wants to call her out. Have you ever read the um, self-helpy book, The Four Agreements?
0: No, I know of it, though, please.
2: Well, there are four of them. I'm not going to try to recite all of them on the spot. They're sort of just things to remember that help you live a better and happier life. And one of them is don't take anything personally. Hmm. And that's what I would offer to the partner in this situation who's so upset. Yes, this woman has made up that she has a master's degree. We don't know why. And we can guess why. She's insecure. She wishes she had a master's degree. She wants people to be impressed with her. She wants, you know, love and acceptance and respect. But whatever it is, it's she's not doing it to you. It's
4: That's not right. personal.
2: She's lying to the world. You don't have to get upset about this strange, unethical, whatever choice that she's making. You just really don't have to. And in fact, he's getting all worked up and probably has already ruined a couple of his own days over it. He's thinking about having a confrontation at a social event, and ruining that night. Why? What's the goal?
0: Right. I think that's exactly right. I think it's also maybe worth inviting the letter writer to consider a degree of empathy. I don't know why this person's telling this lie, but I will say that college and graduate school are prohibitively expensive. Mm -hmm. They're not options that are available to everybody in the world. Mm -hmm. And going to undergraduate or graduate school saddles people with immense amounts of debt. But- Not having degrees will often shut people out of opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I think it's worth remembering that not everyone has the opportunity to go to college. And then as a result, sometimes when people don't go to college, they are kept from opportunities that they might be extremely fully qualified for. Right. And so maybe, I don't know, I'm assuming a lot, I'm taking a lot of guesses here, but maybe this person who's telling this lie had a point where they realized they couldn't continue in their career Or have opportunities open to them that they felt qualified for or wanted to try for unless they told this lie. Mm -hmm. Now, it sounds like they are colleagues and it sounds like this person is good at their job because it sounds like they encounter each other at work. So if this person is doing their job... Now, if this person said, (laughs) I went to medical school... And right. they didn't, and they're out here prescribing medicine. <laughs> that is one thing.
2: Absolutely.
0: You know, if this person's like, sure, I'm an orthodontist, and then they're just mm-hmm. nailing stuff to teenagers' <laughs> teeth, and we, it's just, they're just out here rogue, making braces.
2: That's a problem.
0: Like DIY at their house. That's different. I don't think anybody's being harmed by this, and so I think it's really none of any of our business. The only right. time it might become the letter writer's business is if this person asks this person to support the lie. This person's like, oh, good point. If, you know, if we're at a social setting, a professional setting, and someone's like, oh, I remember when I was in grad school. Am I right? You were there. <laughs> right? Remember when we were in grad school together? Yeah, all the
2: late night studying.
0: Yeah, we did all that grad school stuff. Then, right, then you don't want to get involved in that lie. But I think up until the point where it directly affects you, just leave it alone. Unless there's a point where you are concerned about this person. Mm-hmm. If you want to ask out of genuine concern, God bless. But I don't think that's where we're coming from with this letter. I think we're coming out of like a a place of conflict or judgment. And I don't know that that's serving us
5: here.
2: Absolutely. And I would um, encourage the letter writer to say to your partner, this is her business. I'm choosing not to be upset about it. I don't think it's a great idea for you to confront her or call her out. I encourage you to think about what your goal would be and what you hope the outcome would be. If you do know that that's going to be your thing, and I, I won't be part of that conversation.
0: Oh, what a lovely, mature way to say that. I would have been <laughs> like, mind your business.
2: <laughs> mind you, well, but, also mind your business. TLDR, j- mind no. your
0: business. <laughs> Janae is a much more mature, than, a much <laughs> more evolved human being than I am. But I think what a lovely thing you said. What a lovely framework for every argument. What mm-hmm. is your goal here? And what yeah. is your intended outcome? Because until you know that, maybe it's not, if you can, you know, like maybe it's not worth having a confrontation unless you are clear about a goal and a, an intended outcome that really will serve the people involved.
2: Okay. Those are all the questions we have for this week. It's been fun and hopefully helpful. Thank you, Jenny.
0: Thank you.
2: You can follow Jenny on Twitter and Instagram. Her handle is her full name, Jenny Hagel. And if you're in New York City, go see Jenny Hagel Gives Advice at Union Hall. There's a link in the show notes to get tickets. Do you need help getting on with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudie. That's slate.com forward slash p-r-u-d-i-e. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday.
0: If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show. You can stay anonymous.
2: Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks and me, Janae Desmond-Harris, with a special thanks to Maura Curry, editorial help from Paola De Verona, Daisy Rosario is Senior Supervising Producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. I'm your dear Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Until next time.